That's not a term that you should use unless you're a urologist and your like test sample has been properly uh, un- improperly prepared. Like, why are you giving me this cold piss? This piss needs to be hot for me to do these tests. This is Chapel Belker. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And hey, today Nathan. we are... Oh, oh hey, Nathan. <laughs> I was going to do it like, oh, Justin, you're so fine. You're so fine. You've blown my nine. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Nathan. Clap, clap. Hey, Nathan. Clap, clap. I thought we were playing like a funny uh, icebreaker game for summer camp for a minute. Like, you remember like Big Booty or something like that? Yeah. Big Booty, Big Booty. One of those? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. All right, Big Booty. Big Booty. What are we doing anyway, here today? Anyway, today... We're talking about Kentucky. We guys got two games left in the regular season. How about that? This team has just sped through the season. Can't believe mm-hmm. it's already November. Can't believe it's almost December. Strange We're here. the past. It's finally happening. Yeah. It sure is. A cruel, cruel mistress time is. So, Nathan, what do people need to know about us if this is their first time joining? Well, if this is your first time with us, we are nominally a podcast about stats and college football and UGA football. In particular, we are also a podcast about the relative value of Radiohead vis-a-vis Gen Z music. We are also That's a podcast true. about feelings and about <laughs> occasional football, occasional, Jesus, Nathan, occasional football analysis. Can I tell you a works. story about the transience of time? I See, this is, I'm interrupting sure myself exploring, I'm going to interrupt myself explaining the way these episodes usually go. As an example of how these episodes usually go. So today, That's my wife's car was acting up and I had replaced the battery and I didn't realize that also the alternator was going out. And that's why the battery was dead, 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 dead. So I was <laughs> driving back to my I, I went and got my dad to jump off my wife's car and left my car with her at work. And I was driving it back home and I the car died in the turn lane of the East Campus College Station interchange. At the very front of it, at about four o'clock, with like two hundred <laughs> cars behind me. Oh no! And I sat in that turn lane in that dead car for probably about ten minutes. Shout out to Schumann Services, really hooking me up with a good tow. But it did certainly feel like several hours, you know. And it was raining, and then my my hazards went out, and I had this moment where I was like, "This is this is like I, I've accepted that someone is going to run into the back of this car." And all I can do is just, like, buckle myself in. You know, in the same way that we are buckled into this planet, uh, inevitably and irrevocably, hand in hand in in an unbroken web of interconnectivity with everything that we touch. In the same way that Justin and I are connected, and he is going to pull me out of this by explaining the two different parts of this episode. Yeah, that was a wild... I don't know. Who hurt you, Nathan? <laughs> that car i just sat in the middle of rush hour traffic in at the front of a turn lane for 15 minutes it was a nightmare yeah it's fair that's fair i'm glad that you're here <laughs> but I anyway uh we will split this episode into two parts one part is qualitative which is kind of where we put all of our bullshit and the quantitative part is where we put all of our numbers and so if you are into either one of those stick around and see uh yeah, I mean, that that's more or less what it's about. If this is really your first episode of the season, that's weird. It's not that weird, but it's kind of weird, I guess. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. a serial podcast, but I just feel like yeah. it's a little weird. Yeah. If you're here, you know, you, we know, you know what we're about. You know why you're yeah. here. You know what's going on. 
You should. Uh, before we get into the qualitative stuff, though, let me say we do have some housekeeping, which is really exciting. It is yeah. some news about a live show coming up. We have a live Podcast show business. coming up. We are announcing it. Podcast business. Podcast business. Uh, it's going to be this year again at Authentic, which we love very much. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be on a Sunday, the Sunday before the SEC Championship, Sunday, November 27th at 3 p.m. So come on by, have a beer, have a brewski. There's also, if you are not 21, there are opportunities for you to enjoy yourself and imbibe on things that aren't alcoholic as well. And you don't have to be 21 to get in. You can just come on by, hang out. This year, we won't have any technical difficulties because we are aware of the limitations of the establishment this time around. (laughs) So yeah, come on by. Make sure you do it. We'll let you guys know again the next couple episodes. Yeah, we'd love to see you. Last time we did it, we had a really good time meeting people. I think to me, that was the, that was the highlight. We thought it was just going to be our families and <laughs> our wives that we'd forced to come with us, but we had some amazing people. We met uh, Matt Zilla and his lovely partner that night. We would love for any of you who are traveling, maybe in town for the Georgia Tech game to stick around until, until the next afternoon and come out and see us. We will have some brews. We will have some fun. We we might have a, a special Yara appearance. We are, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that it is going to be a good time. If you can't come, you'll still be able to listen to the episode because we will put it out as its own episode and a couple of days after that. But we would love to have you there. And I don't know if there's a way that you can support this podcast that is non-monetary. Showing up is is amazing. Absolutely. Come meet some other like-minded folks in, in meet, meet person, meet life. Mm-hmm. In meet What'd space, you call it before? Yeah. In meet, meet space. space. There it is. That's the one I was looking for. But yeah, let's talk about Kentucky. You know, and I thought that it would be really fun to just hop right into the Winsipedia. <laughs> that was, that was, you thought I was going to zig when that is zagged. So we're going to yeah, hop right did, into the you Winsipedia. Did, you zagged on me for sure. So sorry. Uh, so the, the history of this team, hopping over to our beloved Winsipedia, is wildly lopsided. Georgia yep. has won 61 to Kentucky's 12. There have been two ties between these two teams. We're in a current win streak of 12 wins for Georgia. Since 2010, we have been winning these games. I think you said earlier, what was it? Since you've been born, uh, the, Kentucky's only won four tw- times three. against Georgia? Three times no, against Georgia. Let's see. Uh, they won in... 88, 90, 96, so five times in 34 yeah. years. But if you go back even farther, it's even sadder. These two teams started playing yearly in 1956 and since 1956, and that is like after World War II. So basically since, you know, the the dawn of the baby boomer era to now, Kentucky has only won nine times. Sheesh. That's rough. Yeah, That's it's rough. pretty lopsided. Yeah. Largest margin of victory between these two teams is 62-17. That was a Georgia win. We are currently in the midst. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Yes, we are currently in the midst of the longest win streak. If we win against Kentucky, then we will beat the previous longest win streak of 12, which is where we're at right now. Uh, we also, upon every other single metric, are beating Kentucky. So this is just... It is what it is. Kentucky's a basketball school, is what people like to say, and it remains true, though... I thought that leading into this season, Kentucky was going to be my sort of SEC dark horse of the teams we thought would probably be pretty good, because I think this is probably Kentucky's last chance to be good in the foreseeable future. With, yeah, in this you know, Will cycle, Levis is about to sure. leave. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's a shame that, that it didn't happen. I think Tennessee ended up taking all of their power. 
uh, in because huh. you, you know you can't have both. You can't have both. Kentucky Tennessee, Tennessee cut off their hair the like time. Samson or, and just took it for themselves. <laughs> they sure did. But tell me a little bit more about uh, you have some notes here about Kentucky. What do you want to say about it? Well, we have this history segment and it's usually like about 10 seconds of history and then just like two minutes of me talking dumb shit. So we'll start there. In the time since I've become a UGA football fan, the which is, I guess, in 2006, Kentucky's only beat UGA twice, but both of those times were pretty rough. In 2009, they were what? The Kentucky lost in 2009. We'd already lost four times. It was like, oh, another boring 8-4 and four season from Mark Richt. And then we lost to Kentucky to sort of like just mm, put a little like whipped cream on that crap sandwich, you know, just like a little... <laughs> accent to the end of a horrible year we also lost in 2006 which was my first year as a UJ uh, student and also fan and it was just the the last of Kentucky in 2006 I remember coming in and I was sort of learning football on the fly learning about UGA football and some of the other guys in the section were like well you know we'll all we, we always beat Kentucky so don't worry about that part like we're gonna be fine and then we lost. And it, so, like, both times that we've lost to Kentucky since I've been a UGA fan have been real, like, oh, like, just prove to me how far down we are. Let's see. Uh, Kentucky has an amazing history of cool Wildcat logos. So their current, I guess it's like their first alternate logo. You know, their main logo is the Block UK, which is is sort of eternal. It's a very cool logo. But the, their current logo, their, their sort of Wildcat head logo, it looks like two birds doing it in missionary position <laughs> like they like very lovingly like they've uh-huh. like maybe their relationship was on the rocks and they thought about you know not continuing and then they went to couples therapy and this is like the first moment of like real intimacy between these two birds since they've sort of like discovered things about themselves and unburdened themselves of some of their past tra- their some of their past trauma you know and mm-hmm. now they're just like cloica to cloica just going at it you know what i mean it also kind of looks like a staple remover which is another weird one so it's just a it's a bad logo and even if you take it at face value and assume that it's a wildcat it's like a wildcat with closed eyes (laughs) like he's like i can't see you which means i don't have to think about how i haven't beat you regularly since the 50s you know that's uh, fair and that's it's also kind of weird because my understanding is that birds are at best agnostic so two birds doing it missionary is kind of weird and colonial yeah for for you could do a, so many more things birds we all know that birds resist god you know they they spit in god's face every time they fly <laughs> and so for them to do it missionary seems kind of weird anyway uh kentucky bourbon is good i like kentucky the state it is kentucky the state is like all the best parts of tennessee with all the worst parts of ohio but it sometimes somehow balances <laughs> out you know what i mean uh it's uh-huh. like it's like if tennessee was like Rust Belt annoying, but not like Southern annoying. You know what I mean? Uh, and there are some places in Kentucky that are just the most beautiful places on earth, like the Appalachian Mountains in Kentucky, and uh, just just gorgeous. Uh, let's see. Kentucky bourbon is, of course, good. I said that before, but it, it, it bears repeating. It bears some personal repeating. History, some personal p- history of me with, with Kentucky is that, A, I think Kentucky Stadium is my favorite non-UGA stadium in the SEC. Really? I don't know why. It's just like every time I went on an away trip, I think I've been on three or four away trips to Kentucky. 
And they're always just, well, this weekend is not going to be that. But usually so far with me, and I'm not going this weekend, thank goodness. But usually so far with me, it's just been like the weather's really good. And there's just sort of like you get the the afternoon game that, and it gives you like the perfect golden light. Like you're in the you're in the golden hour the whole time. And their stadium is and I, and I don't and I'm not damning it with fake praise. Their stadium is such a perfect stadium for the size it is. Like it is a really good example of a like 50 to 75,000 seat stadium. It's the sight lines are really nice. It doesn't feel too big. It's not like, you know, labyrinthine, right? Like even like, I think we can all agree, like we like Sanford, but it's not like the best thing in the world to navigate. Sanford isn't. Uh, And Kentucky is just like, everything's easy to get to. And they have the color scheme of like the blue check is like very consistent. And it's just like very aesthetically appealing in the inside. I really like it. Kroger Field, that is. Uh, I, one of the things, this is like some inside band baseball stuff, but Kentucky, because of one of their professors, I believe a percussion at one point, Kentucky's drum line for their band was just the Cavaliers drum line, like the drum corps. <laughs> so they had this band with like 200 people and then a 50 person drum line. And just that's, that's very big. Uh, just for those That's of us who are band people. And I just remember going there when I was, I think, a junior or a sophomore. I guess it would have been my senior year that we went there. And, like, they walked out, their drumline walked out and just played Double Beat, which is a very famous cadence that everybody plays. And it was just, like, the cleanest, like, crispiest, like, the like KFC fried, crunchy shit I've ever heard in my life. And I was just like, what <laughs> is happening right now? And then, you know, my friend was like, oh, yeah, those, those guys, like... 35 of them are just the Cavaliers drumline. Uh, so <laughs> I don't think that's the case anymore, but I just, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I think Kentucky's band uniforms are also pretty neat. They have this like really cool, like West Point stripe that I really think is cool. I think sometimes college band uniforms, they try to go a little bit to BOA, but Kentucky still has like this very nice, like Kentucky's band uniforms would have looked good in like, the 40s and they still look cool now i think personally um with the cummerbund and the the west point slat sash the west point belt and the west point stripes um let's see it's also the cadets uniform but whatever what do i know <laughs> i don't know i mean you you have some sort of like weird oh well okay you have some notes on this but i will point out kentucky plays in kroger field kroger is yes. based in kentucky i believe it's based out of kentucky or ohio it is now so for the sake of this set, <laughs> this so day. no, I, I think I think actually, hold on, Cincinnati, Ohio, which is not as far from Lexington, Kentucky, as you would think. But anyway, Kentucky plays at Kroger Field and it's just almost a caricature of itself because it looks uh, so aesthetically like a Kroger. Just the blue and white is just <laughs> the same. So I don't that's all I have. I see that you have some notes on this. Every time we play Kentucky, I think of Kroger Field and it just made me this year feel that I'm kind of disappointed that we don't have sponsorships from some of these larger grocery chains that we could look forward to. For instance, I, I wanted to ask you, so what other teams out there do you feel should have grocery store sponsors? What other fields should have grocery store sponsors? Mm. I have a list here that I wanted to ask you. If okay. these chains, some of them are like convenience stores or gas stations, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think they make good questions. What team would these chain sponsor like what is on brand for these chains so the very first one and what spurred this whole sort of short segment was harris teeter never been to a harris teeter 
It's just a Kroger. They're owned by it's Kroger. A nor- but it's like a North it's Carolina a- Kroger, right? Yeah, it's a decidedly different feel, though. Like, t- to me, Kroger is, like, very Southern, whereas Harris Teeter is, like, it's like the, like, the Eagleton to the pond, like, Eagleton to pond. It's like a little you know? nicer. It's just a touch thinking, nicer. It's like a Publix without Publix prices. Uh, just based on the logo, yeah, they only have them in South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia, it looks like, as of 2020. Based on just the Harris Teeter logo, and Harris Teeter, their logo is very, like, clip art of a grocery store logo, you know? I'm going to say mm-hmm. that that would be, hmm, I'm going to say it would be like UNC Charlotte because they are sort okay. of like a clip art football stadium, like <laughs> a football uh, football program, you know? It's like if you just search mm-hmm. football program in the free art that comes with Microsoft PowerPoint 1997, then you get a picture of UNC Charlotte and here oh, I yeah. So what about, uh, how do you feel about Food Lion? What would Food Lion sponsor? <laughs> hmm. God, that is a good question. Based on my so, memory of the Food mm-hmm. Lion in Carrollton, which I did grow up around the Food Lion, Food Lion is definitely like Troy. I hate to give two G5s in a row, but it, Food Lion reminds That's me okay. of like rural, rural Alabama. No, Food Lion's Auburn. What am I saying? It's totally Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Then the the third one, have you heard of Wawa? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like... Uh, it's oh, yeah. Like Everyone's obsessed with Wawa and Sheets in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I've been to one. Yes, actually, Wawa and Sheets, fantastic. They have they have Wawas in uh, in Tennessee. I saw a Wawa this weekend in DC, and it just I wanted to go in. They didn't have gas; it was just a convenience store. But I wanted to go in for the sake of being in a Wawa, but I didn't because I didn't need anything. And I was trying not to spend the extra money. You? But I, I know this yeah. is probably this is pretty. This is not a popular opinion. Like, Wawa is, like, significantly worse than uh, than Bucky's. They're like different things, you know? It's fine. It's better than, all like, 95% of gas stations. In Knoxville, sure. they had a lot of Weigels, which is, like, knockoff Wawa. And I would definitely take a Wawa <laughs> over a Weigels. But I don't know if I would take a Wawa Weigels. over a quick trip. Like, a good quick okay. trip. Oh, but the answer to, to me, Wawa, Wawa is by better the way, than QT. The, the answer to Wawa is Penn State. You know, okay. it's like we'll give it to him. It's just like a dumb Pennsylvania thing. Seven <laughs> Eleven. Uh, what would Seven Eleven sponsor? <laughs> All right, so I go either I go one of two ways, and I leave it to you. Either Rutgers, because <clears throat> obviously, or I just associate Seven Eleven with like stone skateboarders in Southern California. So that makes oh, me yeah, think yeah, yeah. USC, like USC, give like it to uh, USC. It, it's just like <laughs> it's Lincoln Riley, just like blazed out of his head with a giant Slurpee. <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you put them all together it's delicious uh mm-hmm. the next one is bells you know local bells right here in athens georgia <laughs> what is there bells only be? one bells? bells i have no idea one? actually i've never been to one other than the one right here I'm, I'm gonna look this up bells food stores it They're... looks like this is like a georgia specific thing i'm looking it up athens it's Jefferson, like to me lincolnton watkinsville lexington those of you that haven't been to Bell's, you should know that Bell's is like, Bell's is great. Bell's was yeah. the, when, uh, in the midst of quarantine, Bell's is like the one place we went to for the first time also, because they were taking things seriously and there was a lot of space and nobody was there, <laughs> but no, the prices are really great. Their prices it was are awesome. great. Bell's is like, if you combine Trader Joe's with food and stuff from Parks and Rec, 
You know, the yes. place where Ron Swanson gets his food and most of his stuff. <laughs> That's Bell's. It's like it's like a good deal. And their produce is actually usually pretty high quality and they have a good meat counter. But everything's just like not even dingy, but it's like they didn't spend a lot of their money on making this place look nice. No. So they spent their money on good products and good prices. And the rest of it is totally ancillary. Yeah. So hmm, what would I say that is? I mean, to I think me, it would have... I, let me say, yeah, yeah. Give me let yours. me just add. Let me, let me. Uh, I wasn't gonna, you know, suggest anything, but to me, Bells is like the high school football team that the town shuts down for. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like South Lake Carroll, like one of those, like mm-hmm. one of those high school football teams in Texas that's basically a college team. Like in yeah. the whole, you drive through Commerce at like six thirty, and you're like, why is there so much traffic? And it's yeah. because everyone's trying to get to the football team, football it's, game. It's kind of bad at commerce, but Jesus, dude, when I when I was in Carrollton growing up, like Carrollton on a Carrollton football Friday night shuts the F down. Like, yeah, absolutely shuts down. Oh, yeah. There's nothing else going on. And final one, I just wanted to ask you, what about Costco? Okay, I have bad news. I think UGA might be Costco. <laughs> because Go if we're just talking about like, like, what is the appeal of Costco? Is that they do high volume, super high efficiency. Mm-hmm. They have, like, corporatized the grocery products process in, like, an Ikea way. It's, like, maximally efficient, right? Lowest prices possible. Everything feels a touch, like, oh, is this, like, impersonal? Like, do I need... Is this unethical? Eight- yeah. Do I need <laughs> 80 gallons of, like, frosted mini wheats or whatever? Can, why no. why is it that i can buy a mattress and a boat at this grocery store it's a good price you know <laughs> so but i would say that that's probably what georgia has done i would also say you could say that costco is alabama because it's kind of a similar maybe yeah. the original but i was thinking alabama is more like maybe a they're sam's the sam's club. alabama yeah. is definitely sam's club for sure costco is just that's the thing like we all are like wow have you been to costco we don't talk about sam's like it's the same thing it's just yeah. Sam's came along like around first, it seems. Yeah. yeah. And now everyone's obsessed with Costco. That's fair. And I, I do have one other game for you that I wanted to to kind of pitch to you as we get ourselves into uh-huh. the Kentucky spirit. This this segment I want to call Colonel I Hardly Know. <laughs> uh, that's, okay. that's, that's the best okay. I got. <laughs> so sure. when I think Kentucky, I think the Colonel, you know, the Colonel, with uh, the, the Sanders one. With his myriad herbs and spices laid in fried chicken. And so after, I didn't know if you knew this, but after the founder Harlan Sanders died, who we all know as the Colonel Sanders, you know, the guy with the white hair and the goatee, he died in 1980. They tried to find somebody who could be him and impersonate him in the marketing campaigns. It took many, many years. But what they eventually decided was they were going to not choose just one person to do it. They were going to choose many. And so 18 people over the course of, I think, like 15 years have portrayed Colonel Sanders okay. uh, in their commercials. And so I wanted to give you some clues as to who these people might be and see if you could guess who they might be based on these clues. Does that sound good? Okay, sure. All right. So the very first one is... Uh, he was called the sitcom colonel. So this actor was known for one of the most famous sitcoms of all time, despite his portrayal and context of his colonel being the antithesis of his most famous role. However, quote, it's not a lie if you believe it. Oh. Do you know who this might be? No. 
Mm. See, some of these are deep cuts. I tried to grab the few that is were this like, the least deep cuts. Is this like a guy from Cheers or something? Or Close. I'm trying to think. It's from Seinfeld. Oh, is it Michael? No, no. He he had already said the N-word. What about um <laughs> the, the guy? Uh... Oh, what's it? George? George Costanza? George Costanza. Yes, it's Jason Alexander. That's Jason correct. Alexander, yeah. Yes. So that's that's a great great job. The second colonel went to Notre Dame. He won the big game. He can't carry for you, but he can carry you. Who was hmm. he? This was one I was probably most surprised by. Is this guy known for his like sports accomplishments, or is he actually just an actor? No, he is an actor is that portrayed. No, <laughs> he did. He went this to Notre is... Dame. He did so. The character went to Notre Dame. I will say, not the actor himself. Oh, Sean Astin. Yes, it's Sean Astin. But the funny thing about this is that it wasn't Sean Astin playing the Colonel. It was almost like Rudy was playing the Colonel. Oh, weird. Okay. Yeah, a little bit weird. So the next one I got for you, number three. This Colonel, this comedian Colonel, is afraid of a world where he won't be able to bring people delicious chicken, and his inherent teddy bear nature shines through the tropes of the Colonel to create a guy. You just want to reassure and say, they're there. It'll be okay. okay That's not a very the, good clue, I will say. This but is it's the a only comedian. one I know. This is the only one I know. Okay. This is Jim Gaffigan. Yes, absolutely. I just knew Of that. all the comedians, this is the one. Yeah, perfect. So the next one, this is the fourth one. We got two more. The only red-headed star's oh, genderbender colonel <laughs> doesn't need two names, and her portrayal is known for saying things like, please ignore any likeness to a famous country singer, and I swear I'm not a famous woman. This is, is Reba. It? This is Reba. That's Reba, baby. And the fifth and final, this is a, uh, I don't think you're going to get this one unless you know somehow what this is. It's not a real person, but this attractive classmate of yours was one of several characters whose favor you worked to gain, and in parentheses, and date. Others among them were Miriam, rivals Ashley, and Van Van the Man Man, Sprinkles, and Professor Dog. What Colonel Sanders is this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Do you what want me to tell it? you? <laughs> yeah, I really thought about it. This is the... The very sexy, very likable virtual Colonel Sanders from the 2019 Steam release, I Love You, Colonel Sanders, A Finger Lickin' Good Dating Simulator, which is an actual game you can play for free on Steam. Wow. Right? So many people. So many colonels. Everyone loves the colonel, apparently. Let's do ignore you... all the worst parts about him. Yeah. Do you know why the can- colonel is, like, associated with Kentucky? And like why he call he was called the Colonel. I actually have to I do notice. not tell me. So there is this thing called like the Honorable Order of Kentucky Colonels, and it started out mm-hmm. as a sort of like a, a Kentucky militia post war of eighteen twelve kind of thing. And they they would like the governor would like commission people as like aide de camps, which was originally okay. like an an actual militia uh, appointment. But eventually became like an honorary thing for doing good works or just like knowing the right person. And now the the order of Kentucky colonels is like a like a like a philanthropy thing for people who live in Kentucky who like donate money and stuff. And interesting. The reason I know this is because most state do most states do this. And the reason I know that is that my dad was he was he wasn't really ever involved in politics, but he just knew a lot of people who were political in our small town. And because he mm-hmm. was at one point the chaplain of the day or like the, the state legislative chaplain for the legislature of Georgia, like when I was a kid, 
we all went to the golden dome and he like gave the opening invocation and then like stuck around and met some people or whatever and mm-hmm. because of that and just like knowing some people he actually is a lieutenant colonel aide de camp to the governor of georgia which they send you this like giant like framed like a proclamation signed by the governor of georgia that says that you're like part of georgia's like national guard or militia and you know it's just like a purely honorary thing but my dad was so proud of it he in our old house that I grew up in, he hung it up over his the like master bathroom toilet <laughs> because he was like, "This is this is my ultimate like I can't I can't brag about this anywhere, but this is like my greatest accomplishment I've, I've earned." Yeah, that's incredible. I love that. So let's get into some news. Get your papers ready. Yeah, papers. What you got news. for us, Nathan? I got a few things here. Uh, I was actually able to get a little bit from the news dump that UGA does after their Tuesday practice and their media availability that I think are, think are interesting. A couple of other awards uh, season stuff as well. So UGA is a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award, which goes to the best offensive line in college football. Now, this is weird on some to some extent because of the rushing performance we just saw against Mississippi State. However, mm-hmm. you know, UGA has surrendered fewer sacks than anyone in the SEC, I believe. They have been amazing in pass protection all year, and they've been above average in running and run blocking. Todd Munkin is UGA's semifinalist for the Broyles Award, which goes to college football's best assistant coach. He's probably not going to win it, but he definitely deserves the accolade of at least getting to the semifinal or whatever this round is currently, because he's done an amazing job. A couple of quotes from Kirby Smart's media availability. Nickelback Javon Bullard has a power le- a lower leg contusion, but he is apparently mm. going to Kentucky. Kirby was pretty unequivocal about this. He said, and this is per Seth Emerson, I think he's going to be fine. We fully expect him to be able to play this weekend. Let's see. Kirby also said in his media, media availability today, Kirby also said, and this is a direct quote, the SEC championship game is not even in our conversation. We're talking about Kentucky. Now, here's how I know this is a lie. He spent two <laughs> weeks. He spent two weeks practicing for uh, the Tennessee game during the Florida game week. So oh, yeah. they, they are thinking. I don't believe that is true. That's all I have. That that's all I like. I, I don't have any other analysis about that. I know they are putting in at least some amount of a package per the uh, uh, for the LSU game, just because it would be silly not to do, at least do something. I mean, I believe that he they are mostly focused on the Kentucky game. But, you know, a couple of things, a couple of other things. Uh, Javon Bullard and Adonai Mitchell were both in the same sentence rated by him, by Kirby, that is, as hopeful. Sometimes hopeful means no. But I do think Javon yeah. Bullard is going to play. He categorized Javon Bullard and A.D. Mitchell with this in the same breath at you know at the same level and it seems like javon bullard is actually going to play so that makes me feel better about ad mitchell i don't necessarily think that this uga team needs ad mitchell to win against kentucky but you know you would like to get him as the maximum number of reps possible that are safe again before you go into lsu because wide receiver is such a timing based position that unless he has some time to get his legs back under him and feel out the flow of the game a little bit more you know, I guess the other big news thing that we have to talk about is the the Virginia, the the tragedy, the shooting at the University of Virginia this weekend, where mm-hmm. a, a former, I believe, UGA, UVA football walk on 
shot and killed, I, I believe, three people. I don't really have anything to say about this coaching other than it sucks. It's awful. I know Carla Williams is the athletic director at UVA and was previously one of the athletic directors for academic enhancement at UGA. And I, I don't know her, but I, I've worked with her some. You know, she was like my boss's boss when I was at the athletic department. And she's a very nice lady. And I obviously have empathy for everyone involved, but also for her because I, you know. I'm a teacher and I can't imagine having to have a conversation like that with a parent, which I don't know. I don't have anything really intelligent to say other than it sucks. It's awful. I'm thinking about it and it's a horrible tragedy and it's obviously way about way more stuff than football, but from a full perspective, you know, uh, what is it? I mean, just the fact that like everybody on a team on a football team is so close and it sucks to happen to anybody. And it would be tragic and horrible no matter what. But, you know, some of these players find in their team the first really reliable family that they've ever had, right? Because mm-hmm. there are football players who come from horribly disadvantaged backgrounds, who come from abusive homes. So I just have a lot of empathy. I don't really think there's anything else to say about it other than that. But, I mean, I feel like we would be a little Pollyannish if we didn't at least mention it. Yeah. I think it's here. So. So. Do we have other storylines for this game? Yeah, so let's let's transition out of that into something to, you know, a, a little bit more upbeat. Uh, there's no great way to transition in and out of something like that. But let's talk about our storylines. You know, from a Kentucky perspective, and I think maybe from a UGA perspective, to me, one of the most interesting things about this game is not who's going to win, because I think UGA is going to win, and I think they're going to win pretty handily. But just the Will Levis thing. Will Levis is a... I would say consensus, like, top five quarterback in the draft this year. Uh, he has yeah. been very good, uh, especially last year. He was very good. And this year he's been good to a average, you know, depending on what's happening. Now, a lot of that probably isn't his fault. His offensive line has really, has really, I don't know, let him down in some spots. But, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's worth talking about his status this weekend because this is one of the last times that he's going to have an opportunity to really play against a high-quality team. Uh, especially to play against a team of UGA's caliber. Uh, you have a note about about sitting out at some point. Do you have anything you want to say about that? That's all. Just kind of curious. Like it, you know. I think Will Levis has proven over the past several years that he is a team player. And you get to play against Georgia, but do you play against Louisville? Do you play like I don't know? Like he's just getting beat up. <laughs> so is is. Would you, I guess, is there a scenario in which he does get beat up to the point where he thinks, you know, this last game isn't really worth playing uh, with Kentucky and he sits mm. out? Uh, we, mm. I don't think we've seen like a big name player like that, that had, that didn't have any sort of like behavioral issues or things going on that did end up sitting out like that, except for like bowl games. So I just kind of curious, like, when will something like that happen, if at all, ever? You know? Yeah, I think it's worth saying. I, I, I think in this instance, I don't think he would probably opt out just because Kentucky-Louisville is a big game and it is another opportunity for him to prove something in the draft because he's had a, for sure. by his standard, suboptimal season. But I do think, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a can't-miss player on a bad team, I almost don't blame him. I mean, it, it is possible that if you're, um, you're a team in the MAC or you're a team... 
you know, at the lower level of the G5 who just takes some pretty much mandatory losses. If you're if yeah. you're a Mac quarterback and you're a senior and you've had sort of an NFL draftable season and maybe you even upset a P5 team or you came close and it was just because of you and you get to the end of the year and you've had a really good year, but you're still, you know, coming into the last game six and five. Do you need to play in that mm-hmm. game? I mean, from a from a interpersonal standpoint, like for the rest of the players on your team who you like, that's, you know, yeah. that's I, I think it. it's worth doing. But I, I think you're totally right that eventually it is going to happen. It's got to happen at some point. Uh, yeah, because last I'm, I, as you were talking, I was looking up all the mock drafts that kind of are talking about the top few QBs. There are plenty of teams out there right now in the NFL that need QBs and Will Levis is consistently second or third overall mm-hmm. with those teams with Bryce mm-hmm. Young, CJ Stroud being the other two. Yep. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You have a question. Is Kentucky's O-line broken? <laughs> yeah. So we can talk more about this in the, in the actual quantitative preview part of this episode, but there is something to be, there's something I think kind of not interesting, but like slow motion car wreck interesting about Kentucky's offensive line for years and years. Kentucky's offensive line was the, the kind of gold standard, even in the sec, because they had an amazing coach uh, who actually recently died. His name was John Schlarman. He was only 45 Mm -hmm. years old. He was known as one of the best like technician coaches in the nation. He, had a very good track record. It was actually really sad. He died of he died of cancer when he was only forty five. He he had hmm. a really good track record of developing players who were two stars into dudes who played in the NFL. And because of that, he one of the cornerstones of this era of Kentucky football or whatever was that of the Mark Stoops era. I guess was that they just always consistently had quality offensive lines. And especially if you're a good defensive football coach, which I believe Stoops is, he was, that's a way to build a winning program at a place where you have a talent disadvantage. So after Schlarman's passing, their offensive line has just not been as good. Now, their current offensive line coach, I don't think is like bad by any means. They're currently coached on the offensive line by a guy named Zach Yinzer, which is great because Yinzer is a, I don't know, borderline derogatory nickname for people with thick uh, Pennsylvania, like Pittsburgh accents, which I think is hilarious. But Yinzer uh, is a younger guy who has a pretty good reputation, but clearly has not been able to produce at the level that Schlarman does. And I don't know how to say this. Like, I'm going to sound like I'm being mean here, but I'm not like being as good as Kentucky has been as consistently as Kentucky has been over the last few years with the talent disadvantage that they face over the top half of this conference, not necessarily the bottom half. I think they're the sort of cream of the crop of uh, the rest of those teams, but it relies on having some area of continuity and stability. And for Kentucky for the past five, six years, that has been on the offensive line. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what this team looks like on the line in the trenches against a team like Georgia. You don't expect them to win every matchup, but in the past few years, even in games that that Georgia has won, there have been moments where Kentucky's offensive line has done pretty good work against some pretty dominant Georgia fronts, right? And so if you see Kentucky's offensive line on Saturday just get just vaporized, atomized, it's a a pretty bad sign, (laughs) right? Because that 
in this, I mean, just like program health wise, this, that has been a sort of cornerstone of what Stoops has built over the past few years. Yeah. You have one last note about the storyline about another note about Will Levis. Oh, just that Will Levis was pissed after last week's game. <laughs> yeah. What did Will Levis say uh, last week after the game? Yeah, so after the last game, Will Levis was apparently pretty angry <laughs> because he had a quote that that I, I, I don't even know how to, I don't know what this means. He said, and I quote, hopefully we come out with our piss hot next week and have some good motivation <laughs> because we're playing against a good team. It's a shame we can't do that where we're playing a team like Vanderbilt. I Say what you have to say because I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> Somebody help this man with this very hot piss. Yeah. Like, is he a, you're, it's like, it, like, I don't think that's a, that's not an idiom. <laughs> like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm real bothered by all this. My piss is hot right now. But he, it's like, <laughs> that's not a term that you should use unless you're a urologist and your like test sample has been properly, uh, un- improperly prepared. Like, why are you giving me this cold piss? This piss needs to be hot for me to do these tests. I will say. A very cursory Google search. I searched <clears throat> hot piss. <laughs> There's a song by the Yellow River Boys, and I'm not sure that we have the time to listen to it right now, but I look forward to it. Oh, it's from the album Urinal Street Station. You know. Huh. I can't believe that this is actually real, but I will listen to it later. The only other time I've heard, like, piss hot or pee hot is, about, is to like when someone fails a drug test they better here you go they better come out with just pure 80s amphetamines in their system their piss better be red hot their piss better set off like a metal detector (laughs) medical news today says urine can feel hot for two reasons either because the temperature of the urine is warmer than usual or because urinating causes a burning sensation Uh uh-huh that's it just putting that out there uh keep the piss Keep your piss body core at temperature. Body temperature. That's what we're going for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's let's not get hotter than that. Come boys. on, let's Will. not get ahead of ourselves. They're, they're going to play worse if they all have urinary tract infection. <laughs> what a <laughs> what a wild thing for Gary Danielson to say if he's like instead of the flu, like all these players must have the flu. All these players have urinary tract infections, which is why they're all hobbling down the field the way they are. They're all just deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with them, truly, other than they're deeply uncomfortable. I really like the idea that he's like, he's like, we better come out here with our piss hot. And what he's saying is, what he's saying is like, you better be so unhealthy this week and so focused on preparation <laughs> that you live, you give yourself a UTI. Like you better be Do so not drink stressed. Any water. You better have you better have kidney stones the size of your pinky. You better be you better if be that piss is not radioactive yeah. by Saturday. If you could pee without pain, if you're not trying to pee out a kidney stone on Saturday, then you don't care about the then... CATS cats, cats, cats. <laughs> All right. That's enough bullshit. Let's talk about numbers. Yeah. Save <laughs> Who us. Is Kentucky by the numbers, Nathan. Weave us a tapestry, a beautiful story with the numbers here. Yeah, I would love to. So, speaking of hot piss, Will Levis <laughs> is the engine that runs the machine of Kentucky. He transferred from Penn State last year. He had a very good year last year. And this year, he has been above average, but not great. 
He's uh he has a negative point oh one EPA per play, which is not good. A fifty seven percent adjusted completion percentage, two thousand six yards when you take out garbage time, sixteen touchdowns, nine interceptions on the season against Vandy, how which is good. I mean, that's not a great completion percentage, but the rest of those numbers are fine. Against Vandy, he was eleven for twenty three for hundred and nine yards, zero touchdowns and one interception. Against the two blessed teams that he's played, probably Ole Miss and UT to this year, he was a combined 34 for 51 with a 66% completion percentage, which is okay. 318 yards, which is not good over two games, 318 yards, two touchdowns and three picks. That's not good. Like he, he has not been good against the good teams he played. Now there have been, there have been quarterbacks who were not good in college football, who turned out to be really good in, in the pros looking at you, Josh Allen, but, and so I have no comment about his draftability or what his draft stock should be, but he has not been a consistent, you know, win the game for you quarterback this year. And now part of that is due to the fact that his his offensive line has not been good this year. And also that because of that, the running game that he's relied on with Kavasi Smoke and Chris Rodriguez, two really great names for running backs, has not been great. Chris Rodriguez is a good <laughs> player, but he's only had on 100, on 134 characters carries he's in mass 733 yards and has six touchdown his average yards per carry is five points well his average yards per touch including his receptions is 5.6 yards per touch the those are all okay numbers but if you're relying on that as your workhorse back and not as a rotational back that's not great going into your i guess 10th game in the season or 11th game in the season yeah right and so the o-line has just not been good they've given up 39 sacks good for 100th in the nation they are three. They're giving up almost four sacks a game, three point nine sacks per game. They have a thirty-seven point nine success rate when running, tied for one hundredth in the nation. Uh, when they pass, they are a little bit better, but not that much. They are 89th yeah. in their. Let's see. When passing, they are eighty-second in total EPA, eighty-second EPA per play, eighty-second in EPA per game, and eightieth in success rate. That is because when they run the ball, they just haven't been effective, right? On mm-hmm. defense, however, Kentucky is quite good. Uh, they are 12th in plays, or sorry, they're 23rd in EPA total. They're 21st in EPA per play adjusted. For, this is These are all from game on paper right now. They are 24th in EPA per game, and they have a success rate of 13th, good for 13th in the nation. So this is a team that is playing stingy, salty defense, mostly. Except they got kind of lit up mm-hmm. by Tennessee, but other outside of that one game, they played pretty, pretty, pretty freaking stingy defense, but this is it. This is also a team that, despite the lofty expectations that they've had on their quarterback, has just not been able to produce reliably across a, a year span. And they haven't even really had that good of a that, or that hard of a schedule to this point this year, to my understanding or to my reading of it. Uh, currently, we have them ranked as the twelfth best defense, and, and this is per CBCR two uh, CBCR two. Um, we have them ranked as the 12th best defense and the, let's see, 74th best offense, which pretty much tells the mm-hmm. story of their season. This is probably going to be a lower uh, lower scoring game than they're used to. They play very good defense. They are defensively, they are kind of anchored by a pretty good to very good defensive line. They're, you know, they play a pretty... I don't want to say vanilla defense, but they 
they don't necessarily play a defense that's <laughs> like some weird like three three five stack something or like a four two five or anything. They just play mm-hmm. like solid assignment defense. They tackle well. They have some, I think, draftable players, but they're just well yeah. coached, basically. And you know that makes sense. Yeah. Stoops is, has a reputation as a defensive coach, right? So, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is a game that I think UGA should win relatively easily. But on the other hand, this team has a similar profile to, so far as I can tell, to uh, Missouri, who UGA struggled with mightily on the road of having a, a well-coached, efficient defense that'll hit and basically nothing on offense, right? Uh, yeah. You know, defense, a couple of names to look at. DeAndre Square, they're, they're two... Their two inside linebackers lead the team in tackles, which is usually the case. DeAndre Strayer, Square and Derek Jackson. They are led on in sacks this year by J.J. Weaver, who's, I believe, an outside linebacker. They, I mean, there's not really, this isn't really an offense that has, or a defense that has, like, they're not, like, no name or anything, but they don't necessarily have, like, one player who is, like, a, just a stud who is definitely going to go from the first round of the draft or whatever. But, you know, Kedron uh, Smith is their, probably their best defensive back. He, he leads the team with four, uh, with two interceptions. I don't know, man. To me, th- if I'm worried about this game at all, it's that this is a defense that can take the ball away from you, and they, ha- they play really good assignment football. So if you have a sloppy Missouri-style game, they can, they can give their offense, which has struggled mightily, some easy short fields. That's, that's pretty yeah. much I have, all I have. It does seem that way. Yeah, I think that you're right when you compare this team against the Mizzou team, you know, uh, it was a strange game against Mizzou. Like Mizzou is a well-coached team. They don't have uh, as deep as talent, I will say, as Kentucky. And Kentucky does look really good on defense. And like you said, they're good at taking away the ball. And so that is one of those things that we'll probably need to look for uh, in this game because we have not been great in the last several games with holding onto the ball, which has been an interesting situation for the most part, I will say, because we've said it many times on this show that George is the kind of team that can screw up the way they have and still win. And that is one of those things that kind of indicates that this is a much better team than we're used to. You know, that, that's the kind of difference between good and great teams is like, can you clean up after your mistakes? Because most teams in this league have no business winning after two or three turnovers. Right. But Georgia seems to be able to do it over and over again. And so, we need to fix those mistakes before we play LSU because LSU has something to prove. I don't think that when we get to the SEC championship, it'll be as close as it could be, but they have something to prove. And we'll have to see, you know, can we fix these mistakes now before we get there? Or are we going to go to that game doing the same kind of dumb stuff that we've been doing? Yeah. So what do we want to see? And I think you already talked, you already kind of talked about my first point. We got we to stop turning over the goddamn ball. It's so stupid. Can we stop doing that? Yeah, I just... That's it. Like, it's full stop. <laughs> it's just... I, I don't even know... It's not that there's any one thing that I'm like, oh, this is the problem. It's just sloppy. It's just... Yeah. UG, we just haven't... We, we've had some bad turnovers. We've had a couple of teams just make really good plays against us. But, I mean, ultimately... Mm-hmm. You just can't throw the ball away. You can't let someone come come from behind and punch it out. Like, there's no real way to coach that. I know that some of surrendering turnovers is just luck, but yeah. at some point, 
let's not put ourselves in the position to commit turnovers either. Right. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, exactly. I'm, if we don't turn the ball over, we will win this game running away. I think we'll win this game either way, mm-hmm. like you said. But if we don't turn the ball over, it won't be a sweat. And if we do, it probably will. Yeah, it is. It's definitely one of those things where, like, I feel that you're right. Like a lot of there, there haven't been a lot of uh, like situations where teams have just beat Georgia on those turnovers. It's just been dumb luck, and it's been Georgia beating Georgia. And so it's up to this team to figure out how to figure that out <laughs> so right hopefully we figure that out over the next couple of games before we it, it matters more you know <laughs> uh yes. you have just a, a bullet point here that says establish it damn it well and i but, wrote dear god please just run the ball <laughs> run the damn ball <laughs> it's not it's not that complicated running ball the way we like just to. just run the yeah. ball i mean i that's all i have just run the run the damn ball i i don't know yeah i i don't know how else to say it? I know that, you know, Graham Coffee over at Dog Central has done some really good analysis on UGA being more of a gap team than his own team. And I think that we historically have not been very good on zone runs. I don't know if that's just a talent thing or the way we call it. But this year, I know we haven't been good on zone run scheme or, you know, zone run concepts. But we have enough talent that we should be able to, if we pick our spots right, kind of just run this ball down this team's throat. And if you want to prove anything going into the last game of the season, you know, mm-hmm. how, what are you going to be able to prove when you when you play Georgia Tech? But if you want to prove anything going into Georgia Tech, going into the LSU game, you have to get out there and just absolutely decapitate this team at the point of attack. They are they yeah. are good and well coached on defense on the defensive line, but we are not playing. This is not Tennessee's defensive line. This isn't even Mississippi State's. No. Run it down their throats. Prove you can do it. Yeah, and we just have to get through the next 120 minutes of football. That's it. Like, you have to run the ball to get through these minutes faster. <laughs> that's that's it. Just get through them fast. Run the clock out. Yeah. So what are some predictions you have for the, the overall score for this game? Okay, so, man, I think this is going to kind of be a low-scoring game. The weather's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. It's going to be cold as hell. I think Will Levis has something to prove. But I don't actually think <laughs> I don't know how much he's going to be able to. I and, yeah. and I say low scoring. I don't think that either team is going to crack 30 or 40. Rather, to me, this set, really? this feels like UGA 35, UK 13 or Kentucky 13. It's so weird to say UK out loud. Anyway, this is UGA 35, Kentucky 13 for me. I think Will Levis will have a a pretty good touchdown drive in him. We've talked a lot about how UGA has this offensive gear where they can just sort of like drop the clutch and just score in like eight plays on you when they want to. And I think we're going to see some of that, but I think that we will have some frustration in this game because they have a pretty good defense and this is a, the the weather is going to lend itself to sloppiness. Uh, I don't think we're that far off from each other. It's going to be a a game uh, that's pretty close to each other. I have UGA 38 to Kentucky's 13. And for the same reasons, you know, I think that we'll make some scores. We'll, if we can establish the run, we'll just kind of run on them all day. Mm-hmm. And Will Levis might get a score. He might not. It might be a 38-6, but yeah. I got 38-13 for it. I mean, we're going to go in. We want to go to the LSU game with showing as little as possible from the book. So expect to see a lot of vanilla on both sides of the ball. That that would be my prediction. Mm-hmm. We're going to run the same eight plays over and over again. And I think that both of them, we are good enough in uh, in in both of these games that we're going to win easily. But there are going to be times where we're like, why did we just run like, you know, 
counter inside zone and then split zone. And then we did it again. And we had like two, three and outs on it. I, I think we're, that's just what we're going to do. We're just going to try yep. to lock it down as much as we can get win these game easily and then go from there. So we have some CBC R2 updates. Yeah. If you want to kind of show us where, where are we sitting at this point in the season? So we have, you know, I could go down the top 10 and I will, we have Georgia, mm-hmm. Ohio state, Alabama, Tennessee, Michigan, Kansas state, Penn State, Texas, LSU, Florida State, TCU. That was more than 10, but that, that's sort of our top grouping. Now, I, you know, remember that CBCR2 is a power ranking that doesn't really take into account wins and losses. That's just based on statistical output of what stats are highly correlated with winning games, right? So, mm-hmm. obviously, Alabama has lost twice. Tennessee has lost, right? And But we still have them over teams like TCU, LSU because of their relative performance. So in some hypothetical matchups that may or may not matter this year, we currently have UGA is a 2.5 point favorite versus Ohio State per CBCR SAM. So this is not, sorry, this isn't SAM, which is our super smart model that predicts the outcomes of games. We haven't run that for all of these yet. This is the this is the CBCR2, which is just like our power ranking based on the whole year. So we have UGA as mm-hmm. 2.5 points above OSU. We have them as 22.5 point favorites versus TCU. These are both neutral site uh, favorites. And we have them as 19.6 point favorites versus LSU. Other scores of note that may or may not be important to you. Currently, we would favor on a neutral field, we would favor UGA by about 12 points. Or no, about 11 mm-hmm. points, somewhere in there. 11, 12 points, something like that. Touchdown and a half. So I don't know why I'm bringing up those four teams. <laughs> um, oh, well, we can also talk about Michigan. We would have we would, we would would favor UGA over Michigan by 11 and a half points at, on a neutral field. Now, why those teams might matter on a neutral field, I can't say. But if you were, if you were wondering what our stats think about those hypothetical matchups. Uh, you know. Let's talk about some happenings around the league. Uh, and this is all using... Yeah. We're going to reference our CBR2 SAM numbers. I would highly recommend, if you were listening to this and you are still listening and you care about stats, go online right now and follow DogQuant and look at R2 Sports Metrics. If you like to bet, if you like fantasy football, this dude is giving put, putting out pure, pure gold. Like His numbers are comparable to people that you have to pay money to get their stuff. Like he is beating Vegas like 56% of the time against the spread this year on against all of his picks with CBCR2 Sam. Uh, he is even better in the NFL and not many people are seeing this stuff. And I have a feeling that one day he's going to charge money for this because it is that good. So if you bet at all, if you care about stats at all, go to R2 Sports Metrics, follow him on DogQuant. He doesn't even know we're saying this about him. This is not like a paid pro. Like, he just does so much <laughs> not for sponsored. us. This is not sponsored. He just does a lot for us. And like not enough people see his stuff. And he has an incredible track record this year. So stuff that I think is interesting based on our CBCR2 Sam predictions. We have Western Kentucky beating Auburn only by three points. But oh, LOL. Really? Yeah. I don't know that. I, what a mess. I don't know that I believe that's going to happen. But like. And, and, like, I talked about this on the, the Mississippi State Review. Like, I love Cadillac Williams. That moment after this game was really, really emotional and powerful. So I don't want to take anything away from it. But, like, they only beat Texas A&M by three points, a team that is bad. Western Kentucky has had a good year. That's just worth keeping an eye on. Uh, the, the Another one I'm interested in is, can Minnesota rid us of the curse of Brian Ferentz's offense? 
Brian Ferentz's <laughs> Iowa's offensive coordinator. He shouldn't have a job. He only has a job because his dad's the coach. If you look up Brian Ferentz, just do me a favor if, you, if you're not on the road. Pause this episode and just look up Brian Ferentz. <laughs> he looks like a nepotism baby. Like, he is so bad at his job. <laughs> Iowa has an amazing defense. They have awesome special teams, and their their and their offense is just dog shit. We only have Iowa beating Minnesota by a point and a half. And Minnesota, if you could just go ahead and beat Iowa, that would be really great because I really don't want to hear about Iowa in the Big Ten championship because I don't want to give that mm-hmm. dumb dumb Brian Ferentz any credit. So I don't even want to. I don't mm-hmm. want him to have the honor of like Big Ten championship participant. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm just I'm angry. He makes me so angry. Anyway, TC okay. versus get it all out. Maybe the most important game this weekend for Georgia in terms of just playoff implications is TCU Baylor. Uh, we have oh I, yes yeah we have Baylor actually is a very small home fi- or no a very small road dog. We have TCU thirty one point two Baylor twenty nine point six. We have TCU is about a two point favorite. Uh, you know, so that means if you take into account the the home field advantage, that's probably like a four to five point prediction in raw stats. TCU is the best chance, I think, of having someone new and interesting who haven't played in the college football playoff outside of Ohio State. Just something to keep an eye on. Uh, Michigan, Illinois is interesting uh, to me. Michigan's going to win, but Illinois has a very good defense. And this is one of the few times that Michigan can can make an impression because they have a horrible, horrible non-conference schedule. They played uh, for their non-conference schedule. They played Hawaii and UConn, two of the worst teams in the nation. They are wish they Uh are hoping that UConn continues to win because it makes them look better. That's not a good sign. Michigan, if they have any chance of going in to the playoff, pretty much has to beat Ohio State. But if they wanted to get in with a close loss, they would have to beat the crap out of Illinois this weekend. It's just worth worth talking about. USC at UCLA is interesting for similar reasons. We actually have UCLA favored in this matchup by two points. This is going to be a virtual neutral site game, I think, probably because it's it's the subway game. It's the subway series, even though they play in two wildly different parts of L.A., but nominally a subway series. Uh, I USC is probably the Pac-12's best chance at this point, especially if they just sort of run the rest of the table and beat whoever they play in the the... Pac-12, which I uh, championships, which I believe would be Oregon, beat them pretty convincingly. They've got a decent chance to go, I suppose. And I think the playoff probably is desperate to get someone west of the Mississippi into this playoff. So I would say that from just a purely like financial standpoint, it it would behoove and pressure the playoff committee to put USC in if they can. So it's worth watching that game. This is really not a great weekend of football from top to bottom. This is not SoCon Saturday, but it has some SoCon Saturday vibes where just a bunch of teams are playing teams that are beneath them before the big matchup for the their out-of-conference rivalries in Week 12 or 13, I yeah. guess. That's about all I got. You got anything else you want to get That's us out of here? That's about it. That was, uh, we, we actually talked a lot about Kentucky. We did. Good job, us. Yeah. We really did that We thing. did a college football yeah. episode. We did an episode about college football in this college football podcast. Hey, a college football Something episode. you cannot do you, take Do you want to see us out? So, see us out, Nathan. You do it. I would. Do the thing. I would love to see us out. You do it. Aw. You're set. Do it. Can I just say in this moment before I see us out, I've, I missed my boy. I missed my, my, my good, good my boy, boy, Justin. He, he is a good <laughs> sweetie. 
and I missed him and I and I I just I don't know. I, I missed you too. I need him in my life and I'm so glad I'm so glad you had a great time at in the Dece, but I'm glad you're back. So, this has the been Dece, Chapel Bell baby. Curve. If you liked what you heard <laughs> here today, we would love it if you would rate or review us in a place on a place like iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you should get this fine podcast. If you would like to further support this program, we would really, really love it if you would get on patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. As little as $1 a month gets you access to a very fun community of people. If you're on the fence, do it for a dollar for a month and just see whether or not you like the people that you're around. We don't think you'll regret it. Most people don't. If you would like to get in touch with us, feel free to find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or TikTok at chapel bell curve. If you would like to email us and contact us in a more, uh, let's say, old school way, you can hit us up at chapelwellcurve at gmail.com on the emails. If you would like to rant or rave about us, you can send it to someone else because I don't care about your ranting and ravings unless I think they're funny. (laughs) We will catch you this weekend in the classic city or parts unknown. And we will catch you again, as a last reminder, on November 27th at Authentic at 3 o'clock for our live show. But until then, go dogs. Go dogs.